0: Welcome to the Honest Pour with John Lennart, where we go beyond the bottle to connect you with the people and places that make each wine so unique. When I think of Muscadet, the crisp, fresh, mineral driven wine of the Western Loire, two things come to mind a plate of fresh, raw oysters and Joe Landron. The man with the hallmark mustache is part of a family that's been farming the land of the Muscadet area for generations, but it wasn't until 1979 that he convinced his father that organic farming would help increase the distinctive terroir of their vineyards. Then, in 2006, Landrian also implemented biodynamics to further this effort. I sat down to talk with him about his extraordinary wines, a yet-to-be-released vintage that may be one of the greatest France has ever produced, and of course we talked about his iconic mustache. All that and more in this episode of The Honest Poor. This episode of The Honest Poor is sponsored in part by Foodateur.com, bringing you the stories of Chicago's chefs, restaurants, and people who make food all over town. Foodateur.com Hi, welcome to The Honest Poor. I'm John Lennart. Joining me today is Joe Landron. Welcome to the show. Hello, I'm very pleased to, to, to be also in uh,
1: Chicago. Tell me about your family's history in wine. How did you get started in the wine world? Oh, it's a long story, maybe... Uh... And uh, it's really a family story. My father and my uncle founded the company. It was uh, in the 1940s. And, uh, you know, at the time, uh, they were, uh, it was like a farm with some animals on the side and a very uh, low plantation, a very small surface of vines. And it was the, the beginning of the story. And uh, they have developed uh, all the, all, all the plantation because they believed the, in the wine. They believed also in the appellation Muscadet. So 20 years later, they, they wanted to move to, to, to develop this. And, uh, uh also realizing that, um, it was, uh, better to, to earn some money with the wine than with, uh, animals. Ah. So they started l- like that. And, uh, because they had also, uh, they had bought some very nice terroirs. They very quickly, um, they have got uh, a good reputation, a nice reputation and producing, uh, of course. They they have won some awards. And um, they decided to uh, bottle the wine, to organize in a group of winemakers, and uh, to bottle the wine and to sell it uh, to restaurants. Uh, And I arrived in the company in 1979. Uh, I was very passionate by uh, by uh, the farming generally and uh, focusing a little bit also on the wines. And uh, after a few years at school, uh, learning uh, it was professional school, learning about wine, uh, I decided to uh, work uh, on the side of my father first, and my father helped me to buy the first wine for me and uh after two one or two years i decided to to move and to do also an association with him and to work together
0: what was it about wine that attracted you you know so so many times a third generation or fourth generation child doesn't want to be on the farm anymore they want to move away and be in the city what was it that attracted you that made you want to stay
1: in fact, uh, you know, uh, something I, I, I get a lot of emotion when I see, you know, uh, when you are plowing the, plowing the, the earth, you see the, the earth, which is a little bit return. So you have some herbs and the, some grass and uh, the, the earth is returned, you know, when you, you, you do the job. I think it's like it was a, a renaissance. So I have a lot of emotion with that. And uh, I think I love this. I love to do that also. And um, I uh, I was, uh, at the moment I focused, I was a young guy, um, uh, used to go with my father uh, to do the job in the vines and also to um, to prune. Uh, he, he teach me how to print the vines mm-hmm. I was very young uh, around 14 13 14 you know and I, I discovered a passion for this and uh, you know in school you have uh, of course orientation and uh, it was a time uh, in uh, the 1975 uh, people is moving you're right huh? uh, they, they move to the cities they move to uh, do a uh, to become more intellectual people and to, uh, to, to produce scientific and uh, to, to study uh, about also uh, politics, certain people. And me, I say, when, people, uh, when the, uh, the teachers ask me, what do you want to do? Me, I want to go back to, 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 to the farm. And they say, why? I say, because I love that. That's all. It's all. So it, it's, it's very funny because at school, you learn things uh, about energy, a little bit uh, about the new the new, um, the new te- technology to do the farming in uh, for for the viticulture, uh, for the, uh, the vineyard. And when I arrived in the vineyard, I discovered that certainly what I learned was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get I I, I didn't get uh, the, the, the same passion doing that. You know, it was very conventional. It was uh, the, the Certainly, uh, the period uh, when people wanted to, to develop, so, to, uh, to, um, you know, to get more money, to produce more vines, uh, more, more yield, high yield. My father was also in this, uh, in, in this way uh, with my uncle too. And at the moment I said, but why we are so much? Why do we have uh, so much quantities in the cellar? We don't sell it anymore. So we can produce a little bit less. Maybe the wine will be better, uh, getting a better balance. And we can sell maybe better because uh, the wine will be more seductive wine. And he said, oh, you know, uh, I, uh, I'm afraid to miss something. And I understand that. And I understood that because they, they were alive. Uh, they lived during the war. And certainly they missed many things, also food. Sure. And they were very, very private. Uh, and um, that time, when they had uh, the possibility to, to to do more, they did more. And uh, I told him, yes, but uh, me, uh, I don't want to, to work in that way. Because all the wine is, seems the same. And uh, using yeast, uh, commercial yeast... Uh, also doing big yield, uh, make confusion between uh, minerality, acidity, and uh, saying the finesse of the wine is uh, strictly uh, uh, the grapes which are picking uh, maybe uh, too early, uh, giving a, a wine which was not very, very complex. And after these discussions, I say, okay, me, uh, I, I, I would like to go to organic. I said, no. I say, uh, why no? Because, he said, because um, you know me, uh, he has some uh, health problem. And he said, I am very, very tired of this, to close the line And I say yes, but you did with the horse before. Mm-hmm. And me, I will do with the tractors. So it's easier to do it. Why? We c- couldn't do it now. And uh, I say, I, um, the reason to do that is to get more minerality in the wine, more depth and more balance also. And we have a so nice terroir that uh, normally we ought to get better qualities, over qualities. And I say, uh, okay, uh, you will do what you want when I will go to retirement. And in 90, uh, in the years uh, 90s, yes, 1990, my father goes to retirement. I started to plow to the vines, uh, and it was in 1999 that I converted all the vineyards. So not until 1999, just na- 20 years now. 1999, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, we, we started to plow the vine without any certification, organic certification, mm-hmm. but the idea was behind that. Uh, but at the moment, uh, you know, it's quite difficult to convert all the vines. Uh, we reach uh, a vineyard of uh, 48 hectares and uh, if you want to convert all you need to have uh, to employ more people so at the time it was quite difficult to find uh, the the people to do that Mm -hmm. and uh, i did it step by step in uh, five years we have converted all the vines. okay what's the size of the vineyard it's 48 hectares. 48 hectares. Uh, and uh, you have a repetition which is uh, on different terroirs, different places. Uh, and it's why uh, I've, I had focusing, uh, we make the focus uh, on the specification of each place. and. Uh, what are those terroirs like? You know, um, the topography is quite flat. Uh, the the vineyard in Muscadet area is quite flat. Excepted uh, when you are close to the rivers, uh, like the River Seine and the River Main, and you have some uh, declivity, uh, and in those declivities you change of nature of ge- uh, geologic nature of uh, the soil. Mm-hmm. So in fact, uh, when you are plowing the vines, when the soil is more alive, you get a difference. You cultivated more differences about the, about the taste of the wine. And you you, you you get really uh, more saltiness on, uh, on the side, or on the terroir, will give you more flintiness. In, in fact, when you, you start to understand this, to realize this, you don't do the same uh, the, the same uh, winemaking. You don't do the same uh, uh, the same cultivation in the in the in the terroir. You know? So you respect it and you try to find the best the best way, also to de- develop this and uh, to feed the, the, this um, this terroir.
0: When you converted over to organic farming, did you find the terroir becoming more expressive from each of the plots?
1: Yes, but it's not the, the reaction is not immediate. Sure, takes you a while. You have to be patient. Yeah. For me, uh, you have to be patient, but you have to do the job. So you, that means you have to know exactly what you want to get. So you have to think before to observe what happened. And you will get maybe, the the soil is reactive, but uh, maybe you get the effect in the wine uh, five or seven years later. Sure. You you start to feel something which is changing after three, four years. And you see on the leaves, you see on the the vine plant that it's changing a little bit. It's more healthy. And also you see that the soil is moving. I say really moving. There is a movement on this because it's more alive it takes more, more, uh, more depth and it's more, uh, more light also, more mm-hmm. and, uh But uh, you, 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 you feel, you test the, 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 the effect of this uh, uh, in the wine very later. This asks more time. But in fact, which is interesting, is that this effect is accumulated year after year. That means all your efforts you do it's not, uh, it's not lost. Sure. So it's cumulative. It's an investment. Yeah, 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 like, uh, exactly. What about biodynamics? Bi- biodynamics. So um, the biodynamics, uh, um, I was in relation with other winemakers, uh, like uh, Thierry Michon in Domaine Saint-Nicolas, for example. It's very close to me in, uh, in Les Fiefs Vendéen, And he teach me uh, a little bit about uh, biodynamics. I met a few times Nicolas Jolie also. I uh, also listened to him uh, in a different uh, conference, and uh, I was interested in this, but I was a little bit afraid to be not able to do that. And uh, I say, uh, "Those guys are very uh, nice people. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm not uh, right to do that because uh, I don't have so much feeling. And I respect what they do. Me, I'm afraid to do it bad. So I have to wait and to, to, to see what, uh, how I can do that. And uh, one time, um, uh, I went to a conference of uh, Pierre Masson, which is uh, now he's dead. Uh, he's mm-hmm. passed away uh, last last year. And Pierre Masson uh, teach me really what is uh, biodynamic. And it was a, a very uh, nice... Uh, as uh, elementary uh, teaching and uh, I start to understand really what happened and uh, what we have to consider in the biodynamic it's not only a recipe to uh, to apply in the vines it's Good. also to you have to feel the things and uh, at the time when you have a, a little matrix of this uh, you know um, instinctively you know what you have to do and you you, you. so uh, biodynamic is a sort of um, Uh, it's like a way you are following and you discover the things uh, step by step Uh, and uh, it's certainly to you you do some action in a certain rhythm with the rhythm of the planets the asters also of the earth and you have to profit of the energy uh, cosmic energy and also cosmic uh, cosmic forces and also etheric uh, forces and you have to profit of this to impulse uh, also forces to the vine plant onto the soil. And doing this in the right uh, reason. You you can get some effects on the vine plants, of course. And uh, you see the reaction. You can see with your eyes the reaction of the vine plant. And it's like uh, if you are in a conversation with a vine plant. So it's something quite strange and uh, actually we are we are discovering that we we can go uh, further than this Uh, behind this after this there is something else you you can do also about the energy so step by step the the the, the agriculture is becoming uh, you know uh, like uh, how you say uh, like a guardian Mm -hmm. uh, of the terroir and also, he has just to uh, to be sure, to respect, and to be sure that uh, the life is preserving in a, in every everywhere. How long have you been practicing biodynamics? So I started in uh 2006. 2006. So that means it's around 12 years, 12, years ago.
0: So you're starting to really see how the confluence of organics and biodynamics are really taking effect. What yeah. what difference are you seeing? In, in the cellar now
1: when you bring the fruit in? Uh, about uh, about the, the juice we, we have, but uh, um, it seems um, so the effect of biodynamic, I, I can feel it in the wines. Huh? I think uh, it's contributed to a better balance in the wines. You know, uh, well, I was very surprised in the in the good way, in the right way, uh, to taste some wine from uh, Rhone Valley, uh, white wine from Rhone Valley, uh, Chateauneuf, and also from uh, Languedoc. Uh, from people who did uh, who did uh, practicing uh, the biodynamic for a few years, huh? uh, I was surprised to to to, to mm-hmm. feel uh, the, the freshness also in the wine. Uh, freshness, the term is maybe a little bit strong, but uh, the alcohol level uh, until thirteen point five or fourteen, you don't feel it anymore, because it's balanced with mm-hmm. the with uh, if it's uh, with the bitterness, also with the minerality of the wines, and it is very strange. You you don't feel the the the, the wine on the same manner, so something happened with that. Um, so uh, from from this time when I realized this. I decided really to move to organic. And as I told you, after a few years, you can get the effect of this. And now I can say uh, we've got a few vintages which was uh, uh, very difficult to do. with a 16, 17, uh, because of the frost effect and yeah. because also uh, the mildew also. And, uh, uh, so we, we had a low yield, very concentrated, and we have got very high level of alcohol. When I say high for certain cuvées, that means it was over 13% of alcohol for a muscadet. It's quite, uh, quite a lot, quite high. And uh, in fact, I didn't feel it anymore. It, it, the wine, uh, Curiously, the wine was balanced by the saltiness, was balanced also by the acidity. And I say, wow. That's nice. <laughs> but what we have to take care of is the time of aging. So, in fact, uh, about the different terroir we have, because we do separate winemaking uh, for each kind of soil. So, we are, uh, are taken the, the, the grapes on the parcel on the earth of the terroir to be sure to, to, to have the, the right terroir. And uh, when we feel the differences between uh, those different terroirs, in fact, the practicing of the biodynamic help us to have the same the same balance for each one with different taste of wine, even if it's the same grape of Melon. So let's talk a little bit about the grape, about Malone de Bourgogne.
0: Obviously, you're in the Loire, but it's called Malone de Bourgogne because uh, that's where it came from. Yes, yeah, that's true. What's typical of this grape? What, what, what would someone who doesn't maybe understand the, the wines of Muscadet expect from
1: Malone? Yeah. First of all, you're right. Uh, the Melon de Bourgogne is coming from Bourgogne. Is why this name. It's why that. Uh, now we cannot uh, uh, call it uh, anymore Melon de Bourgogne. It's for right. now because uh, this uh, made people thinking in Bourgogne wine. So to avoid to, to make any confusion, it's Melon B. Melon B. We say that. Ah. And we have some funny story about this because... Uh, we, we were obliged to change our label. and uh, So it was very strange. It's unique, first of all. We are certainly in not the alone place where we are using at 100% and so much the melon, uh, melon grape, to do wine. So it's very strange. And it's, uh, it was long time considered like a handicap. And in fact, it's not. Because the melon, the melon bee, sorry, the melon bee uh, it's not very aromatic variety, but it catches very well the minerality of the soils. So when you want to, to show the different kind of soil we have uh, in, a, in the Muscadet area, we have no other way to use the melon. It's very, very good for that. We could have also the chenin. Why not? It's also uh, produce also dry white wine, very mm-hmm. pure. But the melon, for me, it's uh, corresponding better to this kind of terroir, which is uh, mostly metamorphic rocks. so it's adapted very well. Also because of the frost. I think it's more uh, is it, less sensible than uh, A Chardonnay, than the Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that hein, because we have also on the side uh, some plantation of Chardonnay. We have also some Folle Blanche. We have also uh, some, now, maybe some Pinot, Pinot Gris uh, is coming. Uh, uh, because people want to, to, to get a diversity uh, in, their, in their winery. Me, I'm focusing on the Melon and only this, Because uh, I have different terroirs. And I want also to uh, defend the appellation with this uh, unique identity. This is very the, the, the first thing. Also, we have another particularity we don't do the malolactic fermentation and uh, in the wine making this is it's strange because sometimes we have uh, quite high acidities Uh, we have uh, certainly we are producing a very straight wine pure and on certain vintages which are cold maybe we would like to have something more uh, you know more enveloped more fat more complex maybe and in fact we don't do the malolactic fermentation because when we do a fermentation, we lost a part of the acidity, which is, t- very in, in, which is very important to balance the alcohol level. So we are very close to Atlantic Sea. Our wine matches the best with uh, seafood, also uh, fish, cooked fish. And, uh, and um, in this way, I think we have to preserve the freshness in the wines. Sure. This is our own identity. And people who want to eat oysters, for example, has no way to to, to to pair with a muscadet. The of perfect one. It's the perfect one. Should we take some wine? Oh, yes. Where should we start? Uh, we could start by the Louvre tree, maybe. So we have three uh, three I carry okay, three cuvee. Uh, the Louvre tree... Uh, just to, um, it's coming from different terroirs, which uh, different parcels which are situated on the border of the terroir. Okay. And also because we are renewing uh, our vineyard, uh, uh, the production uh, of the young vine until ni- uh, nine years old is uh, coming in, inside this cuvée. Okay. So it's a blend of those different parcels, and uh, for which we do aging uh, on the lees. Uh, over eight, between eight to ten months.
0: Eight to ten months, yeah. So that helps balance that acidity a little
1: bit. Yeah, so it's why that, uh, in fact, uh, the, the, fact the, the fact to not do the malolactic fermentation, uh, we do edging on the lees and uh, we compose with the lees effect, uh, which gives um, give a suppleness and richness also in the wine. Mm-hmm. So this opens the wine. Giving to to him uh, more texture, which seems like uh, it's an envelope, and uh, which compenses the fact to not do the malolactic fermentation, and uh, we avoid uh, the lactic uh, side uh, in the in the wine, and preserving also the malic acidity, which gives the freshness. Mm-hmm. So the time of aging uh, at my winery is uh, regulated, uh, considering the potential. Uh, of the wine, so the potential of reduction of the wine, that means that uh, certain terroirs uh, can be, uh, uh, can be uh, aged for, uh, the minimum required is uh, six, seven months for the, for, for, for our charter, mm-hmm. and uh, the maximum, uh, that means the muscadet sur Lee, to get the mansion sur Lee, must to be bottled after the beginning of March, and before the end of December, which following the average. Sure. So that means it's uh, between uh, 6 to uh, 12, 14 months. Great. That's a normal re- regulation. And uh, inside this, uh, you have certain terroir which, m- which can be bottled uh, early in March. Why not? To preserve the freshness. And the effect of the the, the, the Lee uh, stabilization is uh, the one appear more fresh with some carbonic gas inside which give a a lightly uh, fizz, fizz, fizz. Yeah. And uh, this is interesting for the wine for summer. But when you bottle the wine just before the end of December, that means between uh, November and December, you have a second effect of the lees, which give more fatness and it starts to to give a more uh, silky side in the wine. So this is interesting for the terroir, which is uh, maybe more strong which give uh, the, the, the wine which is more strong and which need to be open uh, because it's uh, more reductive. First of all, we will taste uh, Louvertree. So it's uh, the vintage, here uh, yeah, it's a vintage 16. So full production of melon, of course, 100%. Yeah, there is that minerality there, huh? That kind of flinty, uh, limestone Yeah, and also the, the side a little bit carbonic for the 16. So about the aromas. They are quite delicate and we feel uh, certainly the richness of the maturity, the ripeness, which was get because we have had low yield once again. We lost a big part of the harvest. Huh? So the uh, you process. can imagine the, the yield was uh, under, under 25 uh, hectoliters per hectare. So we have got more concentration. Sure. And uh, the, 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 the expression of the aromas are mostly uh, on the grapefruit uh, and with some lemon side and uh, a little bit some peach also the finish. Wow, super fresh on
0: the palate, bright kind of lemon and grapefruit. That that stone fruit that was a little more present on the nose mm-hmm. isn't quite there. It's, a little, it's brighter than that, it's fresher mm-hmm. than that. Yeah. The minerality is predominant on the palate. That's delicious. It makes my mouth still water. Minutes yeah. later, yeah. my yeah. mouth is still watering so from what,
1: the freshness. What is interesting, yes, is about the freshness, fresh expression. Uh, what is interesting is um, the, the Muscadet, when you don't have uh, too much uh, rice sugar, the wine up here, uh, shows showing better the minerality. And um, it gives more length. Uh, in the same time, it's a sort of density the, the wine has without heaviness. Mm-hmm. So it's so pure and also very persistent. Pure. And the persistency oh, yeah. is, is going to... Uh, very delicate, it's, but it is very uh, very straight. So that means it is very present and uh, persistent and finish, On the finish is very, fi- uh, very fine.
0: Yeah. And this is sort of a cuvée that's expressive of the entire domain.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, a good summary of what we can do on the aesthetics, on the, on the, on the, on the yes. right? Because it's a plan of different, uh, different parcels. What's next? So, next is uh, this next cuvée I've chosen is called amphibolite. So amphibolite is the name of the rock where the vines uh, are growing and it's considering like a a, a micro terroir uh, which is coming, uh, this kind of soil is coming from uh, 10,000 meters deep so uh, you can imagine the moving in the the earth a long time ago uh, uh, with some uh, uh, compression of of these uh, stones and uh, this kind of soil Composed of silicates, uh, give a very saltiness in the wine. Mm-hmm. It's why I, 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 I make a separation uh, between this and uh, the, the first one, the Louvetrie. And uh, which is interesting also for this wine, this express the saltiness, but also in, in the same time it's quite seen to compare to the Louvetrie. You will see.
0: Now, this is a barrel sample of the 2018, which is just about to come to market, correct?
1: Yeah, so this is uh, the, a sample of uh, 20, 2018. And within the next few weeks after this yeah. podcast goes live, uh, 18 you know will be what? available. Uh, yes, this wine, uh, I carried the samples uh, just uh, picking uh, just before to leave France. Because it was funny, uh, the wine was uh, yes uh, almost ready to drink. And I say, okay, I want to show this because uh, I, I did a different events, of course, you can imagine. And I want to show this to my uh, distributors just to have, uh, for them to have a mind, uh, an idea of what is 18 uh, Vintage. And for me, uh, of course, we have uh, a few times, uh, a few places, we have uh, some microclimate effects, which is so, so good. You have some L in a, in, a, in a certain part of France. You have also a mildew effect in the south of France. But generally, on, a, on, a, on a, the different vineyards in France, the quality of this vintage will be exceptional. Exceptional. We are, we are
0: Especially weak. after the tough 16 and 17 with the frost. it's nice to have a good vintage to follow.
1: Yeah, yes. Uh, that means uh, when I say exceptional, it's one to say you can have good vintages sometimes, which is a balance, okay, but... No more emotion for eighteen, I promise you we will get a lot of emotion because uh the purity the the, the, the complexity of the wine uh the potential of aging will be certainly uh, to compare to uh, nineteen forty seven mm. vintage, which was a legend yeah, sure. So uh, we we have just to to wait a little bit because uh, the wine is uh, still in aging uh, sure. for a lot of uh, for the main part for of me France. you huh? sure, of course. But uh, about the red wine, I think you have to focus. about so, the white wine, you you can focus also and don't forget this vintage because uh, maybe in a few years it will be uh, it will be certainly uh, up, up about pricing. Wow. And uh, now it's, it's me. I was very surprised at this because at the beginning, you, you can't believe that uh, it could be a very, very nice. But in summer, it wasn't bad. And when we started to pick the, the grapes, uh, when I was ready to pick the grapes, in fact, I said, wow, it's uh, becoming to, to, to be ripe very, very soon. So we have to prepare. And uh, we started to, plow, to, to, to pick the grapes uh, the 31st of August. Okay. Uh, generally, for our year early, in yeah. Loire, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, uh, quite early. Huh? Uh, in Loire, generally, we do it uh, uh, around the nine or 10th of September. generally. That's a couple of weeks yeah. early.
0: So I can see the, the effervescence in this wine is visibly greater than yeah. the 16. Mm. On the nose, the laziness comes through.
1: Yeah. You have uh, this uh, side uh, very fresh which carry also, the carbonic gas is carrying also the aromas, which are mostly on grapefruit. Uh, we feel the ripeness in the, in the bunches. It's very uh, interesting because it's like a uh, um, uh, grapefruit with a, a, a good ripeness on the side and uh, uh, most apricot a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But in fact, uh, behind that, it's very, very, very fresh. It's uh, the the wine um, at the side which is very aerial, you know, very refreshing. So the noise is most, uh, more intensive than for the sixteen.
0: Wow, that's delicious. Mm. That salinity is there, but it's it's even for a wine so young, it's integrated. It doesn't stand out on its own. It's it's nicely integrated with the freshness of the fruit, and that little bit of cream from the leaves.
1: Yeah, Good and complexity in this one And so in the finish, you, you you feel really the minority, which is salty. Mm-hmm. With a iodine test, so in the same time, just in the finish, it's yeah. uh, salty. In the middle of mouth, it's becoming salty, and uh, this saltiness is, is from the mineral minerality from the soil. So for me, it's, it's, it's time to bottle it. So it will be bottled next week. So that's fantastic huh? to, to to share this uh, actually, and the wine will, will come certainly uh, next uh, six uh, six weeks uh,
0: sure. on the market. Yes.
1: The next uh, next wine uh, will be a et Sevremen. So not a surly, because uh, we do a long aging on the lees uh, over, over, over 24 months. Hein? 24 months on the is So this, uh, this uh, cuvee, it's called Le Fief du Breil. I know it's not really easy to pronounce. Hein, for, <laughs> for an American, people. right? Yeah. Le Fief du Breil. And Fiol uh, du is corresponding to uh, around seven hectares, like a single vineyard, but it's a, it's a part of the, of, the, of the estate. And um, this, uh, these vines are planted on a slope with a south exposition. Okay. And because we are very septentrional, uh, the south exposition is really very qualitative. We are looking for sun in our area. <laughs> Uh, we have sun, uh, we, we have some, uh, so, some uh, uh, like, how do you say, the summer, summertime is very sunny, mm-hmm. uh, it's a lovely place for that, but uh, in spring and sometimes in autumn it's raining, yeah, uh, yeah. The, 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 we, we get uh, you know, clouds which are coming from uh, Atlantic Sea, mm-hmm. because you are not far from, and uh, this is interesting because this preserve the acidity, preserve the freshness in the wines. But sometimes we, we like to have some sun. Sure, sure. So we are still uh, looking for the, the, the sun exposition, the south exposition. And uh, we are uh, also situated over the river Sèvres, uh, which is flowing on the bottom of this, maybe 30, 40 meters. Uh, oh, very on, close. On, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, the terroir is composed of uh, orthogneiss and quartz. So uh, this is metamorphism from uh, granite soil, which influences the comportment of the plant, the vine plant, giving to, to, to the wine a more flintiness. So it's a side a little bit smoky and uh, on the edge of wine, uh, it's a more uh, minty, uh, very, very fresh, very refreshing. And uh, for the Fief du Bray, so we have the, the fog who's coming from, uh, from the Loire, from, from the Seve River into the terroir and uh, preserving the acidity in the bunches. Mm-hmm. So as we have also the sun which rising on the, on, on the grapes, we get a nice maturity, a full maturity of the grapes, uh, also with freshness. So we can delete a little bit the uh, picking of these grapes, even if it's more precoce. We have a nice balance for this. So we pick the grapes, and um, generally, it's uh, middle, middle of, uh, of September. Of yeah. So, yeah. so we, we get naturally uh, the, the balance between uh, 12, 12.5% of alcohol with an acidity, a level of acidity, which is around uh, five, five grams, oh, uh, okay. between five to six grams. So it's perfect balance for, for Muscat de Surly. And uh, why we don't do, uh, uh, why, why do we do we do uh, um, a longer ed- edging for this wine? Is uh, because uh, of the personality of this wine. I'm uh, considering that it's we can uh, upgrade a little bit so this terroir and uh, to compare to the Muscadet Sèvres mm-hmm. which is a, a first level uh, mm-hmm. of appellation, uh, because of its t- typicity and because also of the potential aging we can uh, we can get. And that means what uh, clearly uh, I'm working. With my colleague uh, winemakers in La Foissière village, we are working. We are, we are we make a, we founded an association to um, to get a recognition of cru communal, which will be called La Foissière. Okay. Yeah. When does it start? Alors, uh, actually, it's not officially, not officially recognized, but we officially we, we, we start to to get this recognition um it's a quite a, a, a long uh, process uh, for a, sure a long yeah a, a long way to do it to get it but maybe because we have few actually and you you can compare to um, the other appellations which are get uh, yet like uh, glisson gorge le palais and we have four uh, new uh, four new uh, cru communaux which are arriving they are uh, monière saint-fiacre mousillon tière so his name of village, local village, okay. Goulaine, and mm-hmm. chateau okay.
0: Yeah.
1: And there will be two others, or three others. There will be uh, Valette, which is quite known also, uh, and La foissière for the Sèvres-Main area. And on the north of the Loire, with my nephew also, he, he consists, he, he, they make also a group, and there will be a Chantoso. In fact, it's just to, to join the idea of Beaujolais, with the crew uh, sure. like right. Chinas, Fleury, uh, Moulinavant, uh, right. you know. So and it's completely legitimate because uh, first of all, I am asking for this for over 30 years, and working this way. Uh, when I started to separate uh, the different places and the different terroirs, my idea was to get a recognition like that, but it was uh, in 1982. Mm-hmm. There was there, there were no way at that time to get uh, officially uh, recognition. So we used the name of uh, the parcels and the label, on all my labels. And uh, I think, actually, uh, it makes sense because uh, all the uh, colleagues uh, do, did the same. It's completely uh, normal to try to regroup all these lieux dits uh, uh, under the same banner, which will be uh, the appellation cru communal La Effouissière it makes sense yeah yeah the consumer so, knows what they're getting then yeah so which is interesting we have the charter which is uh, which has been defined uh, by the other uh, cru communaux. we are following the same rules uh, that means uh, lowering the, the the yield so it's uh, the, the minimum the maximum aver- uh, average uh, mi- maximum yield is 40 hectoliters per hectare the minimum uh, alcohol level naturally gets is 11% uh, we are over Generally, between 12 to 12.5, and uh, the minimum uh, time of aging on lease, contact with the lease in, uh, in, in bulk, in concrete uh, vat, it's 24 months. 24 months. Yeah, it makes sense. For this uh, 2014, we are tested now. Uh, it was 24 months, mm-hmm. and for the 15, it was. Uh, it's bottle yet. It was uh, 30 months. Okay. We have just to adapt the time of aging with the potential of the wine. It def- it's changing uh, sometimes. It's changing with the vintage also. It's a story of balance in the wine. So now we can test it.
0: Well, on the nose, there's such a great complexity to it. Yeah. There's a touch of, touch of that smokiness like you mentioned, but not not, not over not overly so. Just a very hint of it and that kind of round stone fruit. And there's, a, there's a, like a beeswax kind of characteristic to it.
1: So you you, you you feel the minerality, which is completely uh, um, founded with the with the acidity. So we, we can say uh, saying it's a mineral acidity sometimes, mm-hmm. which gives also in the finish uh, saltiness, with a, a sort of a earthy taste, which becoming with the time, uh, which becoming more flinty. Uh, when you are checking, uh, you know, sh- uh, you are shocking uh, uh, two stones together. You have some uh, mm-hmm. smells, which is a uh, you know uh, st- stony uh, stony smell. It's flinty. Uh, you can have this uh, this expression on the side. This is typically uh, from uh, this kind of terroir, orthogneiss and quartz.
0: It's not as vibrant or as lively. There's there's a richer more more of a richness to yep. this wine, yep. but it doesn't overcome that acidity and that minerality,
1: that body. It's it really just, special. Yeah, it, it just balance. We don't feel it's all the alcohol. level. We don't feel it anymore. We are mm-hmm. not thinking in the alcohol. Well, very uh, quickly in the balance, you have a, a, a full body wine which uh, give a more a very intensive expression, and you forget the alcohol. You don't feel it. Uh, sometimes you feel the alcohol is burning, and uh, you know, here uh, yeah, is not the case. You have a full a full, uh, full taste which is. Uh, really the mineral uh, test. And we don't have too much, uh, heavy. we don't have any heaviness uh, because the wine is not sugared. We have less than one gram of red sugar in the wine. So only the alcoholic fermentation is made. No malolactic, but time of aging, which gives this side a little bit of And in the finish, the, the, the wine is still uh, very fresh to compare to a Burgundy wine. It's nothing to see. On mm-hmm. the texture, it's nothing to see. Under the mineral expression, maybe yes. you have some affinity, you know, it's, it's not the same level. Right. right. Before we go, yeah. can I talk to you about your mustache? <laughs> is this
0: your, okay. Did your father, and grandfather wear this? Is this a family trademark? Is it your trademark? Where did it come from?
1: No, it's just uh, it's just nature. <laughs> <laughs> my my grandfather used uh, used to have a big mustache. Yeah, not so big as mine. <laughs> and my father uh, didn't. He, he shave itself every day and, <laughs> and uh, no it's not the idea uh, there's no relation with my grandfather uh, it's just because it's coming like that and uh, of course it's uh, over 30 years so sure, no. I don't want to, to change that <laughs> maybe when I go to retirement to, to become more discreet I will cut it <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Joe Landron, thank you so
0: much for your time it was a pleasure talking with you and tasting your wines are absolutely delicious and it was a pleasure
1: Thank you very much hein, for uh, to give me this occasion. It was a pleasure too.
0: For John's tasting notes on the wines from this episode, go to www.thehonestpoorpod.com. Make sure you catch every episode by subscribing to The Honest Poor with John Lennart at iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Play Store. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook at The Honest Poor with John Lennart and follow us on Twitter at The Honest Poor. This has been The Honest Poor with John Lennart, music by Kevin McLeod. Thank mm-hmm. you.